You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 103. Hey, what's up, everyone? Tim Robertson here on Tech Fan Podcast 103. You know, it's ironic that just last episode, which um, we're about four or five days past when uh, I was planning on recording the next episode, this one, uh, but on the last episode 102, where David and I both recorded separate um, parts of the show, uh, if you remember, I had my daughter Brooke on with me, and then I played David's segment. And ironically enough, in uh, David's segment, he said um, that he wanted to make sure that we get more on track with this podcast, that we come out with an episode every week. And here I am uh, coming out uh, about four or five days later than this episode should have aired. There's a reason for that. And uh, let me explain. And here's where the ironic part is. Because you'll note, I didn't say that. I I did not say I was going to make a concerted effort to get this podcast. Um, <laughs> it's not that I don't want to. I just wanted to note that I didn't say that. And I totally agree with David. We need to do that. But what happened was, uh, let me reach over there. Uh, what happened was, well, first let me, you, you probably notice it sounds a little bit different. I'm actually using my portable recording uh, microphone rig at the hotel here in Chicago where I'm at uh, working. And I'm not at the home studio where I usually am to record this show. And I'm also recording it around uh, 8.30 on a Tuesday night rather than 10 a.m. on a Friday morning. Uh but I wanted to get this episode out, so uh, I'm making do. I'm not used to doing a show at this late of an hour. Although, I, to be honest, this is the time, right, well, a little later, but this is around the same time that originally when I was doing the MyMac podcast, uh, I would be at Chad Perry's house recording the show. That was always later in the day. So it's it's nothing necessarily new, but it is for tech fan. And I'm lazy, so, you know after a long day of work, the last thing that's really on my mind is to sit down and concentrate and record a show because, you know, like you, you know, you get out of work, you just want to relax and recording a podcast isn't really relaxing. It's not, don't get me wrong. It's not difficult. I'm just talking, Uh, but you do have to prepare stuff. And honestly, I'm reading a really good book right now and I want to, I'd rather be doing that to be honest. Yeah, you know what? That's not true. I wouldn't rather be doing that. I would rather be doing tech fan. Just, you know, when I'm not so, I don't want to say lazy, when I'm not being so tired and my feet isn't sore. <laughs> Do I sound like I'm backtracking, backpedaling? I am. In all seriousness, though, um, the reason I'm doing this episode, Sans David, is because uh, over the holidays, David and his family went to France. And uh, on his way back, uh, David had a car accident. And he sent me a text. Actually, I had sent him a text asking him, are we good for Friday? So obviously this was last week. And I was... uh, I was going to be putting together what I thought we should talk about. And I kind of, with all the blah, 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 CES this week, I thought it might be a good time to kind of look back and some older technology and that would be fun. And we'd focus on maybe two or three old tech things and talk about them in some detail and it would be fun. And he replied to my text. You know what? I'm not even going to try to paraphrase it. I'm just going to, I was actually texting him on my iPad, which is kind of rare for me. Uh, scrolling up here, um, 
Yeah, so on December 30th, and as I record this, it's uh, January 8th. So um, just to give you a time frame, on December 30th, I uh, I, I texted him because I wasn't sure if he was going to be back in time to do Tech Fan last week or not. And if not, I was going to uh, go ahead and plan one with probably Owen Rubin because Owen, after he was on episode 101, expressed an interest in doing the podcast more often, and I would like to do that because I really enjoy talking with Owen. Um, and I, we've talked about it for years, and I, I really would like to get him more involved. So I sent him a text at 1.02 p.m., December, 10, uh, December 30th, and I said, we doing TF Friday, TF being tech fan. At 1.45, so about 45 minutes later, this is the message I got back from David. Don't think so, my friend. On way back from Paris this morning, we hit a hailstorm and rolled the car. Everyone okay but me. Stuck in a French hospital with a broken back. No permanent damage, I hope, but might need surgery tomorrow. So, yeah. Now, because I don't carry my iPad everywhere with me, it was sitting by my computer. Um, I heard it beep a little way, a little time later. So, around 2.03, my response was, holy shit, anything I can do? And uh, the conversation progressed from there. So, it went on for a couple days um he said that uh his back hurts like a bitch if he moves um but they have him on some good drugs which is always a good thing and i need to be as immobile as possible anyway to avoid further damage and that he'll see a specialist in the morning that was on december 31st um Later, uh, about seven hours later, he had sent me this text that says, going, be, going to be strapped into an upper body cast today, apparently. I want to get a glowing circle chest reactor added. <laughs> I.e. Iron Man, of course. Um, about an hour after that, uh, had cast made. Hopefully the, they will get me mobile. Then try to get a medical transport home organized. Because remember, this is all in France. And David doesn't live in France. David lives in England. And uh, later that day, I asked him if there's any prognosis. And he says, three months in cast. Uh, But provided I follow instructions and avoid twisting or bending, no permanent harm. That's, of course, fantastic news. He doesn't know if he's going to have to miss work or what's going on there. Uh, He may know at this point, but he hasn't let me know. Uh, On January 1st, he said, uh, hopefully we'll be released soon. Need to take next few weeks easy. Really hard to move with cast on, like wearing a bear hug. And then he sent me a picture with David in his very sexy hospital gown um, (laughs) with, I have to say, Kind of an Iron Man-esque uh, front thing on his chest and abdomen. And, um, you know, for someone that was in a car accident that rolled, and for someone who broke his back just a couple days prior to this, um, there's David, and he's standing. Doesn't look mon- none too pleased, to be honest, and... He may need a shave here. Uh, ruggedly handsome in this picture. With the scrapes on his chest that I could see. And it looks like a little bit on the bridge of his nose. Uh, and under his uh, right eye looks a little dinged up a little bit. Holding his iPhone 5, of course. And uh, I, w- I was glad that he sent the picture because, you know, it, it puts things in context. And uh, he scraped himself up pretty good. A couple days later, um, on January 2nd, he had texted me, said he's heading home. 
and uh, that's as uh, that's as much as I'm really going to share. There's other things going on, but health-wise, as far as David is concerned, that is what I've got. So David is home. Uh, he was in a major car accident. Thankfully, his two children are okay. His wife, Leanne, is okay. Um, when someone tells me they broke their back, my holy crap, you know, you think you always go to the worst case scenario. Um, are you ever going to be able to walk again? Or, you know, you, you always, you're, you're scared of the worst case scenario, but thankfully it sounds like David was in some very good hands at the uh, hospital and he was taken care of. So my heartfelt thanks to, uh, the health care facilities there in France that took care of my friend. And uh, I really appreciate that more than they'll ever know. And uh, obviously I'm, I'm sending out my best wishes out to David. I don't know when David will be able to come back on the podcast. Um, I am planning on recording another show later this week at the regular time on Friday. So you're really going to get two tech fans this week. This one will be a little bit shorter abbreviated, obviously. It's just me. Uh, sitting by myself in a hotel room. Um, but obviously, you know, with all that happening, actually recording a show last week didn't seem... I I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, I wanted to know more of what David's prognosis is. Um, not necessarily when he could return to the show, but I was more concerned about how he's doing than you know, the schedule of recording a podcast here. As I'm sure you understand. I mean, you know, I broke his back. <clears throat> Taking a drink of uh, water. Uh, usually David will fill in with talking while I do something like that. See, so it's less apparent. I was listening to another podcast uh, WTF with Mark Marin and he had Michael Keaton on. That'd be cool to have something like that with a uh, Batman, for Christ's sakes. And uh, <clears throat> the only reason I bring this up because I just took a sip of water. Um, throughout this entire interview, I kept hearing Michael Keaton start. His voice was kind of cracking, and I kept thinking, "Stop talking and taking a drink of water or something. Clear that out of there. It's really distracting." And it's just a podcast. It's not like the show must go on and um, I can't I can't stop talking for a second because, heaven forbid, the audience hears silence for a few minutes. Well, maybe three minutes would be a problem, but a few seconds. Uh, I, just, I just thought about that as I was taking my drink there. That's why I bring it up. And yes, that was a cigarette being lit. And yes, I'm in a hotel that I could smoke at. Don't worry, I'm not going to get arrested and tossed out on my ear. So that's the status with David. Uh, he, I, he, I guess he could show up on the next podcast, uh, or it could be weeks or even months before he's able to return to tech fan. Uh, but the show, as they say, must go on and, uh, that's what we're doing. So I've, uh, got an invite out to Owen Rubin, who sent me an email saying with, uh, what's going on with David. Uh, if I needed, a co-host, someone to come on the show, he's more than happy to do so. So I don't know if he's going to join me because it's 10 a.m. Eastern's time when I record the show. So that's pretty early for him on the uh, West Coast. And I hope that he can join me because I do enjoy talking to Owen. And uh, you guys will know when David's back because he'll be here. Of course, he'll be doing it from home and I don't know how, you know, if, if he's that's going to be easy for him or difficult or what have you. So time will tell regardless when, when David returns, we'll be here waiting for him. Let's take a quick break. And then I want to talk about CES, uh, a couple of uh, things that I saw going on at CES. I thought would be worth talking about. So we'll be right back. Are you a geek? I guess so. What do you mean? You guess so prove your geek red. I don't need to prove myself to you. I'm the new host of the geekiest show ever. We will see about that. Don't you just hate it when droids think they have all the control and don't know their role? You know, they forget that we can turn the power off. Oh no, you can't. 
Oh yes I can! Don't, please, I'll be good. That's better. Nothing worse than artificial intelligence being, well, unintelligent. Head across to iTunes and subscribe to the Geekiest Show Ever podcast, the only show truly dedicated to geekery. So if you guys want to get a hold of us, the easiest way of doing so is to go to techfanpodcast.com and uh, either comment right on the show notes or uh, conversely, you can click the button that says contact us. There's a little form when you fill it out. It just simply generates an email that um, David and I both get. I think David gets it. I forward it to him regardless. I ought to set up the form so it's... I know that he gets it. Um Last episode, I had uh, my daughter on, and we did get a comment from uh, Peter Bird. Uh, Peter Bird's been probably our most prolific, um, I don't know what you call it, feedbacker? (laughs) I don't know what that term is. What is that term? I'm sure there's a term for it, I'm just not thinking about it. Uh, But he commented on um, Show 102. And remember, I had my daughter on there, and he says, uh, Hello, Tim and David. I really liked hearing about tech from a kid's point of view. It's refreshing to hear. What I find amazing is when I think about, um, for most kids, the tech they have now is worse than they will ever have. That's that's a great point. What we have right now is going to suck <laughs> in five years. And what we have in five years is going to suck compared to what we have in ten years. I really I like that uh, observation from Peter. I thought that was uh, that's very good. I, I I never really thought about it. I have said on this show, with all apologies going out to um, oh who did it? Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the comedian's name right now. Louis C.K. That what we have, and I've and I've said this. This is nothing new for me to say. What we have right now was magical. It's magic. There isn't a one of us who could make the microphone that I'm talking into right now. And it's a cheap microphone. This is a little MXL Tempo with its own little cheap stand sitting on the table via USB plugged into my MacBook. There isn't one of us right now listening to this show who could make the frickin' cord, the USB cable let alone the computer, let alone the software, in this case, GarageBand, that I'm recording it in. It's, and I'm not even, let's not even talk about iOS devices and Android devices and game consoles and handheld computing. I mean, we we have the entire knowledge of the human history, for the most part, literally at our fingertips, literally in our pockets. And all we do is freaking complain about it (laughs) it's true you know it's it's amazing sometimes to to really kind of step back and i think that uh i think peter's absolutely right it's amazing to think that what our kids are using right now is the worst they'll ever use (laughs) so thank you very much peter that's uh very observant and i totally agree with you um, and other Peter Byrne news, he's actually starting to write some reviews at MyMac.com. So um, let me pull up the page, because I know he's got one that's been published already. And I like to give credit where credit's due. And remember, I'm on the uh, hotel Wi-Fi, so it's not the fastest. Although my Mac actually loaded really fast right there. Uh, we've also got another writer at MyMac called Julie. Um, and I've... The reason I'm struggling to read her last name, I know it's Julie, but um, in the hotel, there's a flat panel Philips television, HD. Uh, I believe it only does 720, but I've got that hooked up to my MacBook. And the reason I do that is when I'm here at the hotel, because Wi-Fi sucks and television itself, I don't know where any of the channels are here. And I'm not going to, there's no guide, no on-screen guide to tell me what's on, and I hate channel surfing. So what I do is I actually connect my macbook pro directly to the tv and i use the tv as a second screen so i watch whatever's in my itunes library on the tv 
Uh, I could actually stream the audio to the TV and watch everything there and hear it there, but uh, I put a pair of headphones on and kick back on the couch here in the hotel, and that's how I watch my content. So, as I'm recording this uh, episode, I've got GarageBand open on my MacBook Pro screen, and my web browser open up on the television screen. But the problem is it's at 720p, so everything is, well, small. Oh, crap, I just, you know what I just did on accident? I just went full screen, and uh, I didn't realize if I did full screen on one, on the television, it would actually blank out the other screen. I didn't like that. That was stupid. You'd think the computer would know, okay, he wants full screen here, but I'm still going to leave the main screen as it is. So, anyways... I'm rambling. Oh, Gasmaz is actually, uh, Gasmaz of the My Mac Podcast fame is writing at the uh, website now, too. He's got some uh, reviews right here as a Teach Yourself Visually and Mac Mini book review. That's cool. And here it is. Um, and I think this is Peter's, he might have had a couple. Let me scroll down. If he had a couple, I'm only seeing one right now. But anyways, uh, Peter Bird uh, wrote... Um, an iOS app review for Time Warp Camera. So, yeah, Peter Bird starts out commenting on... Um, and I know he, he also sends comments over to Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show. Uh, he's a comment contributor on the podcasts, and now he's starting to write for MyMac.com. So welcome, Peter Bird. And uh, the invitation's out there for you guys. If, if you like doing product reviews we're looking for new reviewers at mymac.com or even articles how to's uh, opinion pieces Uh, we're definitely looking for new writers at mymac so if you're interested you can send an email to either me tim at mymac.com or our reviews editor his name is john nemorowski you can reach him at nemo n-e-m-o like captain nemo nemo at mymac.com so anyway, CES uh, is in full swing. I am not there because who gives a crap about CES anymore? And it seriously, who cares? It who who's the big four? Who's the big five consumer electronics companies now? I would say Google, definitely. Google is not at CES. Uh, Amazon. Kindles are doing very well. In fact, the book I was telling you about earlier that I'm really into reading right now, uh, I'm reading that on an actual Kindle. The uh, It's the previous, it's the Kindle Touch, but it doesn't have the uh, built-in light, which honestly is really, oh good, the heater just kicked on here in the hotel, so I don't know how much that's, you're going to hear that. If you hear a sound, there's nothing I, I can do about it. You just, it's there. It's kind of loud too, so you probably do hear it. But that's okay because I was actually starting to shiver a little bit in the hotel room. It's quite cold out here in Chicago today, and I think I've got my heat set to seventy because I I don't like to be really hot when I sleep. Um. Anyways, uh, Amazon is not there at CES. Uh, who else isn't there? Well, um, Microsoft. Ah, they're even... I, do you even consider Microsoft one of the top tech companies anymore? I don't know. I mean, they don't get much ink, do they? I mean, they came out with Windows 8, and it made the round some, but it wasn't like the cultural phenomenon that Windows 95 was. Hell, I don't I don't think it was a bigger, bigger deal than when Apple released the iPhone 5. That made more of a tech... Uh, a, an impression with the general population than Windows 8 did. That just dawned on me that that was a bigger story in mainstream media, the iPhone 5, than Windows 8. Kind of tells you where the uh, where the world of tech is now, isn't it? But regardless, Microsoft is not there. And they used to do, like, the big keynote. It was Bill Gates opening CES up on the stage. It was a big deal. Nah, so much now. Uh, Samsung is there. uh, So there's one. Uh, Apple. 
Apple is not at CES. So who who else is that? Um, I'm trying to think of who else is not at CES that is a big tech company. I think I saw John Gruber at during Fireball write something about that, but yeah, I'm not going to go through his whole website trying to figure out who what he said. But that is where I remember seeing it that uh, who's there and who's not there. And it's kind of telling who isn't there. So is CES a big deal? Yeah, I honestly don't think so. Not not really. Not anymore. But regardless, um, some CES news. Although before I get to that, I did see something, and this is really only affecting um, those of you in the United States. Uh, a tech. It's kind of a tech story, I guess. Target will now price match year round. Amazon and other retailers. That's pretty freaking big news right there. Uh, Target says that you know a very small number of their shoppers actually do uh, price match, so they don't expect it to hurt them too bad. But wow, because you can find some just really killer deals on Amazon, and price and Target's going to price match that year round. It's one thing if you do price matching, you know, Black Friday and the holiday seasons and all that, but year round, really. Next time I go shopping at uh, Target, I'm bringing my iPhone. <laughs> How much is that? Eh, let me check real quick. It might be cheaper over here. You know what I mean? I'm all about the savings, aren't you? So one of the things that came out, um, I'm probably going to butcher this uh, this person's name. Uh, Hugh, Hawaii, Huey, Hawaii, I guess. Um... Huey shoots beyond Samsung's cheap plastic. This is at theverge.com. Uh, the best smartphones is from Huey, not from our competitors. And uh, that's what the guy said. But the the well, this is what got me was the the name of the story or the title of the story is, and this guy says this: Steve Jobs is gone. Now there is a lack of innovation. Wow, let's. That's pretty bold words. And I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think that there is a lack of innovation now in the tech world? I'll be honest. I was talking to somebody today about software on the Macintosh. And we were talking about how how bad Apple's mail program is on the Mac. And yet, there's really not a strong second choice out there. There was a few for a little bit. Um, some people like Thunderbird, it's, eh, um, Sparrow, but they got bought out by Google who promptly killed it. Good job, Google. Uh, but there's no really a killer alternative mail program for the Mac, a client for email. There's really nothing out there. And yet... Email is just really important. You guys use email every day. Yes, I know texting is, you know, we, we, you use email. Everyone does. And we don't have a really good viable alternative to Apple's mail program. I, and it, it, it's kind of astonishing. There's a lot of really great developers out there. And they've completely missed the boat on coming up with a $5.99 or a $9.99 macOS app that's a killer email program. Wouldn't you buy a killer email program that's better than the lethargic and buggy mail.app? I know I would. I'd do it in a heartbeat. I mean, it's a, I really do not like Apple's mail program. It will. I don't even know why it does this. It will at times put messages in the junk folder but they're not marked as junk you know if um, you're still using the stock blah 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 mail app when it's in the junk folder it's kind of gray it's kind of a, a brown color to denote that this is junk mail and you can select it and then click not junk so it learns well these are messages that are bold and black meaning it's been unread but it's not showing the message itself is junk but it's in the junk folder and it's not like it really is junk and it just didn't list it as such. A lot of them is uh, replies to one of my emails. 
And you can't select it and then click not junk. It doesn't give you the option because mail knows it's not junk. But for whatever reason, there it is in my junk folder. And that really irritates me. Uh, It probably irritates me more than it should. Um, So the mail app from Apple, the stock comes with every Macintosh. I think it's, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's terrible, but it's not good. Uh, And I think the iOS versions are even worse. And with uh, the latest version of the Mac, they kind of made it more iOS, iPad-ish. Which, to me, is a huge mistake because the Mac is not an iPad. And while I understand some convergence of technologies and and kind of, oh, let's make it more like this, but not mail. There's a reason that we use a computer... And we need a seriously good email program. I don't even want to get into Entourage. That thing's terrible. So if you're a developer or you know a developer, come on, make a really great, blow my socks off email program for the Mac, please. Can someone do that for me, please? Um, but the conversation wasn't just about that I had today. wasn't just about the, the mail program on the Mac. I actually stopped and uh, thought, and I said, you know what? There hasn't been a program released for the Mac. I'm going to say going all the way back to probably 07 and 08, that has blown me away. Think about that for a minute. It's it's 2013 now. There hasn't been a Mac app in at least five years. That just blew me away. Now look, there's some things that I've started using since then that I like. and That's essential to what my workflow. Uh, Dropbox, but that's more of a service. That's not really an app. Yes, it's an app on your iOS device, and you do have to install this thing on your computer. But for all intents and purposes, it's just a folder that has the same crap in it on all your different devices, right? It's a service. It's... It's not even a feature. It's a service, right? And I'm, I pay for Dropbox. I've got the 100 and... Well, what do I got in my Dropbox? Let me check. Um, it says I got 107 gigabytes. Of, no, that's not right. 107 gigabytes used, yeah. Wow, so I've, I've used 10% of my Dropbox. So I've got a 100 gigabyte account. But you know how they give you extra if someone clicks the link and it's you know, blah, blah, blah. I used to do that, so I've got a hundred and I guess it'd be hundred and seven gigabytes. Um, but gigabyte, but Dropbox, so that's that's not a it's a service. The only other one that I use on a daily basis that I I, I I've said I loved it before, but eh, it might be a little bit strong is Evernote. I really like Evernote, but again, eh, it's kind of a service. It's not. I guess it's an application on my machine. Um, but that's, it's a service. It, it syncs all these different things that I put in my Evernote, uh, to all my devices. So in some respects, it's Dropbox ish, but it's different, but, and it is an application on your iOS and Android and PC and Mac and Linux. It's ambiguous at this point, almost it's everywhere. So it's less of an application and it's more of a service. And like Dropbox, I actually pay. I'm a premium user of uh, Evernote. But I, to be honest, I, I'm not going to renew that because I don't... Even though I use it a lot, I don't use it extensively. And I, I take advantage of maybe 15 to 20% of the capabilities of the program. Or of the service, if you will. And uh, I'm not really getting the benefit that I thought I would. Um. The difference between having a free Evernote account and a paid Evernote account from my personal use is almost nil. So, but, you know, by the same token, I, I do use it all the time and I do feel like I should pay something. I just don't know if I'm going to pay the full premium, whatever that is, something again. I have a, I don't know. I, I don't think I take advantage of it enough to justify paying for it at the premium price but yet 
I feel somewhat of an obligation to pay something because I use it all the time. And I want to support the, the, the company that makes Evernote I financially. Because if, if not a lot of people do, there's no incentive for them to continue it, right? By the same token, I can probably replicate almost everything I do in Evernote with documents in Dropbox. Or hell, for that matter, um, Google Docs. But I like Evernote. And, uh, yeah. So there's that. So I got off the beaten track a little bit, which I want to do when I'm uh, recording by myself. Um, quote that came out of CES. Uh, and another one from The Verge. A really good website. I hope you guys are regular... Oh. If you heard a difference in sound there, it's because the heater finally went off. Uh, again, from The Verge, and as I was going to say, fantastic website. Just It's everything that Engadget was or wanted to be, and a lot more. It's uh, If I had a lot of funds, it's what I would have turned my Mac into, to be honest. Um, anyways, their interview, they sat down with... Um, Kaz Harari, Harari, look, I'm terrible at names, so please forgive me. Uh, he's the CEO of Sony, and the big quote is, we need to be more a more focused company. So Sony needs to be a more focused company. Uh, to which I reply, yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, hello? <laughs> That's the reply from me to them. Hello. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm cracking myself up, I know. They also had a, uh, a headline. It's official. 3D is dead. The tech industry's annual hot air balloon show is gone, and the world's a better place for it. Thank goodness. Right? How many of you... I, gives a crap about 3d i've ranted and raved about 3d on this show um maybe even going back to the mymac days i know for a fact when i was doing geeky show ever uh, i hated it i remember having um rick stringer uh, a contributor and a friend uh on talking about 3d once and uh, i i think rick kind of liked it but he was kind of Egh. i hate 3d if a movie comes out and it's only in 3D, I will not watch that movie ever. I went and saw Rocket Ralph. I did not see the 3D version. Uh, I want to go see The Hobbit. Yes, I have not seen The Hobbit yet. I am not going to see it in 3D. I did see Avatar in 3D, and while it was like, yeah, okay, that's cool, I did not enjoy the movie anymore because of the 3D. In fact, I would say I enjoyed it less because it's just... A freaking annoying thing. I hate 3D. So 3D is dead, according to The Verge. And the tech industry has kind of moved beyond it. To which, again, I say, thank you very much. I hated 3D. Hated, hated, hated. Last thing I want to talk about before I... Uh, where are we at here? Let me bring GarageBand to the front. By the way, I moved my web browser off the TV and over to the... MacBook Pro screen because I can read it better here. It sucks getting old. It really does. I turn uh, 43 on the 18th of uh, January. And uh, I only tell you this so I could say when I turned 40, I noticed my eyesight, which I had just excellent eyesight. My eyesight started to go to crap. Um, not, But here's the thing, not all the time. For most of the time, I'm fine. I, I don't need glasses or anything. But I did find myself holding my iPad when I was trying to read or the Kindle Fire or Kindle Touch or whatever. Um, like laying in bed, I was starting to move the device farther and farther away because it was getting blurry. And I kind of denied it to myself. I don't need glasses. It's just, I'm tired. I had a long day. What do you expect? And I kind of actually believe that to some degree um, because I, I, I found that I didn't need it 
I didn't need glasses if I was sitting on the couch with the uh, iPod or iPad reading it. I, I read it just fine. So it must have been because it was after a long day and I'm laying in bed and, you know, I turn out the lights if it's the iPad or the Kindle Fire, um, leave the light on if it's the touch Kindle because no backlighting, like I said earlier, that sucks. Um, that was really the only time I, I found that I really needed to put glasses on. Um, so I bought reading glasses and, uh, yeah, the only time I really need them is if I'm laying in bed reading, but it started when I turned 40. So for almost three years now, eh, it sucks. Trust me for those of you in your twenties and thirties, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> Look, you get, you get wiser. Um, hopefully you'll learn to take yourself a lot less serious. Um, hopefully you'll learn that there are other people out there that may actually have good ideas and it may behoove you to shut up and listen to somebody instead of assuming that your idea is the only idea. Um, and you know, if you just look at the tech world, for instance, you'll see that's true. Steve jobs was fired from Apple when he was a young man, uh, gained a lot of experience and probably more important wisdom away from the company that allowed him to come back to Apple and run the company much better than he did before. Look, if Steve Jobs was never a fi- had never been fired, Apple probably would not have survived at the time. Um, it was, looking back, of course, hindsight being twenty twenty, if not my vision, uh, it was probably the best thing for the tech world that he was let go from Apple at the time and that he did go on to create Next and to buy Pixar from George Lucas and really kind of diversify what he was doing. Uh, he, he gained a lot of wisdom. So when he came back to Apple, he was in a much better place to be able to lead that company. And I think the results kind of speak for themselves, don't you? So anyways, back to uh, the last thing I want to talk about here. Uh, again, CES. And again, I don't care that I'm not there. Actually, I did consider it for like two or three hours going to CES. And then I was like, ugh, really? Nah, I don't think so. Um, and I would have covered it as press. But, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, uh, the only reason I really wanted to go to CES is to look for some possible new products that I can sell at um, the Apple specialist, the the Apple reseller that I work for, uh, Mac specialist. Uh, so I was kind of interested in going there and seeing if I could find some innovative whatever that I could sell. Which, let's be honest, that's why CES really does exist. But all being all said, you know, if it's a really truly innovative, wow, this is cool, I'm going to read about it online anyway, so I probably don't need to be there. Although, that being said, there was a couple things that I found last year at the Macworld Expo that I never read about online, I never would have carried in my store, and it was products that I did make money on uh, that I would not have found out about it otherwise. That being said, and here's kind of a, a big news item that most of you don't care about anyways. Uh, but it is breaking tradition. It's the first time this is going to happen in, wow, probably eight years, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to look at the calendar. I'm not sure. Um, I am not going to Macworld Expo this year, so there will be no tech fans coming out of Macworld Expo. Of course, last year, uh, in 2012, uh, I did go to Macworld. There was tech fans. The year before, there were tech fans. Uh, the year before that, I was actually there on Otherworld Computing's dime, and I was doing uh, OWC Radio. And before that was, of course, the MyMac podcast, the MyMac website, um, going way back. Uh, not every year, but going all the way back for me to 2000, which was still the best Macworld Expo as far as I'm concerned. Yes, even better than 2007 when I was sitting front and center watching... Steve Jobs unveil the iPhone. Amazing event. No question about it. But personally, the, the 2000 show was could not be beat. And I think I've talked about it on... Uh, 
If not tech fan, then my Mac. Um, but you know, different listeners now, you guys might not have ever heard that story, but I'll get into it one of these days, probably, uh, during the, uh, Mac World Expo this year when I'm not there and I start feeling nostalgic and regretful for not going, I'll, I'll probably trot out a couple Mac World stories. Um, if you want, I, you know what, I, what the hell I've, I've got one more story to read, but, and then I'm going to wrap up, but I, I'll give you one Macworld Expo story right now. And the only reason this is at the forefront of my mind is because I actually relayed this story to uh, somebody else who cracked up. So, yeah, maybe I'll crack you up on here on the podcast. My back is killing me because I'm hunched over on this uh, microphone. Let me, let me lean back here for a minute. Uh, like I said, it's been a long day. So I, I think this was uh, 2007. I'm pretty sure. Um, flew in the day before the keynote. And for whatever reason, uh, got in later than expected. Uh, went from, well, I had eaten breakfast the morning that I flew out. And so uh, that was the last time. I didn't actually eat on the airplane. Uh, get to San Francisco. I get to the hotel, and I'm beat. I'm tired. And it's later than I usually arrive, so I don't go out and get anything to eat. I basically crash. So remember, at this point, it's probably, you know, I hadn't eaten since breakfast. So I wake up the next morning. Uh, as press uh, for the keynote, the Steve Jobs keynote, you would get in sooner than everybody else, and you'd get pretty good seats. But even so, you still want to be in the press line as early as possible so you can get an even better seat. And my advantage there, uh, as well as Guy Searle, who is part of the story, uh, the host of the MyMac podcast, of course, was that... Uh, we wanted to get there as early as possible. And because internally our internal clocks are on the East coast time, getting there at six in the morning doesn't feel like it's all that early to us because, you know, we're three or four hours ahead. Biologically we're good to go. So we get to the keynote early and we get in line and there was this excitement uh, for this keynote. We all knew there was rumors about a cell phone, iPod and, everyone just knew that there was something this year. Um, there was a lot of speculation about a cell phone, but there was a lot of, is Apple really going to enter this market? Because remember, in, before Steve Jobs unveiled that iPhone in January of 2007, in 2006, the big whatever in cell phones was the Motorola Razor, and cheap flip phones that you can get practically for free. It was literally a race to the bottom. Um, and no one could really expect Apple to succeed in this industry because, you know, look, Apple makes premium products. They're, they're not a discounter. They're not a, here's your free phone. So if Apple comes out with a cell phone, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be special. And there was just way too much probably circumstantial, but evidence that Apple's going to come out with something like this. Is it going to be a PDA? Is it going to be a return of the Newton? Is it going to be a simple iPod with a cell phone built in? We didn't know. And even it had specs leaked out in pictures of the iPhone, we wouldn't have believed it. We just, there's no way. So into this really exciting atmosphere is me and Guy Searle. Very hungry. Now, if I remember right, and if I don't, Guy Searle will probably correct me, the keynote started right around 10 a.m. For Guy and I, it's now internally, biologically, blah, 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 whatever. It's 1 a.m. It's uh, 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Guy was very hungry. He hadn't eaten. I was very hungry. I hadn't eaten at that point for... God, I don't know what, um, 29, 30 hours, not to mention air travel the day before crappy hotel the night before. 
waiting in line early, a lot of excitement, takes a lot of energy, you know, starving. The keynote goes for over an hour and a half. And you forget your hunger while you're sitting there. At least you try to, because if you've never attended a Steve Jobs keynote, you know, you everyone's heard the stories of what it's like, but it really is. It's everything you've heard and then some. And for those who've never been to a Steve Jobs keynote live, I'm sorry, because you won't ever get to experience that. As a, a fan of technology and someone that's been a fan of Apple products and who greatly admired uh, the man who Steve Jobs was, it's it's not unfair to say it's like seeing the Beatles in person. Yes, you can watch the concert videos. Yes, you can watch the Steve Jobs keynote streaming from Apple's website or subscribe to it and download them into your uh, iTunes. It's not the same thing. And I'm sorry some of you will never have the opportunity to experience that. So I, I don't say this to rub it in. I really don't. I, I, I really do wish you all could have experienced that because it's unlike anything else I've ever experienced. And I've seen quite a few Steve Jobs keynote, including that one in 2000 when we saw the Mac OS 10 for the first time. And I was literally an arm length away from Steve Jobs before uh, that 2000 keynote. I literally sat right behind the the aisle right behind the seat right behind Steve Wozniak in 2000 watching Steve Jobs on the stage from the third row so yeah 2000 was my favorite so enter all this Steve Jobs we see the iPhone for the first time everyone's freaking out i'm starving guy Searle, all 65 or 66 of him Next to me is starving. The keynote ends. And unlike the rest of the press who rush down to the press room to upload their pictures and write the articles or record a podcast. And I think I did record a podcast uh, that day. I'm gonna, I'm, at that point, I'd been doing the, the MyMac podcast for a number of years, two or three years. Um. I should probably check. I, I, I don't think I've ever gone back and listened to that. I ought to do that. I'm kind of curious now. Anyways, uh, Guy Searle and I decided we're not going to the press room. We're freaking hungry as heck, and we're going to go find something to eat. So we leave uh, the Moscone Center. And if I'm not mistaken, that was Moscone North that year. And we zigzag up and down some streets in downtown San Francisco looking for something to eat. And we're not having a lot of luck. And we must have zigzagged four, five, six, maybe even up to 12 blocks away. Before we come to this, it's, it's essentially a, a convenience store, which we go into. And in this convenience store is this buffet of Chinese food. Now, I, I love Chinese food. It's one of my favorites. Um, and at this point, though, I, I don't know if it's... I, I know Guy likes Chinese food as well, but at this point, we're pretty much indifferent on what the hell we're going to eat because we are starving. Well, this is takeout only, obviously. It's, it's a convenience store. So we pile on the food. And they weigh it, and it's dirt cheap. It's like six bucks. And I've got a good pound and a half of takeout Chinese food now in this container. And they give us our silverware and our napkins, and they put it in the plastic bag and tie it for us. And Guy Searle and I proceed to head back to the Moscone Center. We get down to the press room, which is now pretty much cleared out because it's been a good hour since the Steve Jobs keynote has ended and the showroom floor is open, the expo. And the press is out there covering the expo, and Guy Searle and I just have to eat. We're just hungry. And that's what we do. 
and I kid you not, and I'm not exaggerating a bit, it was the best damn Chinese food I have ever eaten in my life. I will grant you that the fact that I was starving to death at that point may have had something to do with it. I don't discount that at all. But it really was good. I mean, it, it was... I was beside myself. And Guy Cyril was as well. He really enjoyed it. And even when we weren't hungry anymore because we'd been eating it, it still tasted fantastic. It was really, really good. And Guy and I said, you know, we're going to have to go back to that place and get some more. Not right then, but I think we, we meant to go back later in the week, but we didn't. So we had conversations leading up to Macworld Expo 2008. We're going to go back to that Chinese place for that takeout because it was so good. Do you remember where it was, Guy? No. Neither do I. We'll find it. It wasn't that far away. And yes, San Francisco is a big place, but we were within walking distance of Moscone Center. It's We'll find it. But we didn't. We didn't find it in 2008 and we didn't find it in 2009 or 2010 or 2011 or 2012 whatever this convenience store is with Chinese takeout buffet dirt cheap is almost a thing of legend at this point and my only witness to this glorious feast and how good the food was and how blown away I was by it is Guy Searle. And this Chinese restaurant slash convenience store has become our Moby Dick. And we talk about it every year at Macworld Expo. And we have yet to find it again. And this will be the first year since the last sighting of Moby Dick that I will not be there and looking for it. So my message to Guy Searle is if, and he's going to be at the Macworld Expo, if you find it, if you even spend the time to look, take a picture write down the address and let me know <laughs> because if you find it guy I promise I will be at Macworld Expo 2014 if for no other reason than to partake in that delicious Chinese food takeout convenience store that's my story last story that I'm going to uh Talk about coming out of uh, CES 2013. I, I don't get this at all. Uh, and I should save this for when uh, David's on the podcast because I think he'd have a good take on this too. Uh, NVIDIA showed off their new handheld gaming device. That's right. NVIDIA. The chip maker. Right? <laughs> it's ostensibly looking at it. It's a little five-inch screen, and I'm sure it's a great screen. It's a touch screen. It's running Android. Married to what kind of looks to me like a PS3 controller. And now they're hinting that the price of this thing will not be inexpensive. I, I'm beside by... look. Look, I'm a gamer, okay? Not a super serious one, but I, I like video games. And I don't get I'm sorry, I don't get it. I really don't. What? I, I'm almost dumbfounded, to be honest. Nintendo is not doing well with their handhelds now. They're selling less than they've ever sold before. Sony came out with 
a very innovative replacement to the PSP, the PS Vita. I've got the PS Vita. It's a fantastic gaming device. It really is. It's, it's great. But I don't play it very much. Why? Because there's not very many good games for it, to be honest. There's a few now. Um, but not enough. And I know Sony's not selling a lot. And remember, they already said they need to be more focused. Duh. And it's not because Sony and Nintendo all of a sudden forgot how to make a good gaming device, that there's some kind of a hole out there that NVIDIA thinks that this is going to fill, that serious gamers are like, oh my God, I, this, is what, this is what we've been waiting for. No. I hate to break this to NVIDIA. I'm sure you, some great people that work there. You guys have made fantastic ships in the past. Um, it's called the iPhone. It's called the iPad. That's where portable gaming isn't just going. It's where it already is. You're going to come out with yet another Android device with a, a controller slapped onto it? And you're going to charge a lot of money? Hello, McFly. Hello. Seriously? This is your this is your big idea. It's called Project Shield. I think the shield has something to do with it. It's shielding them from reality maybe because this is stupid. Now, I'll admit I look at the pictures and there's a part of me that's like, "Oh, that's kind of cool looking." And if it came out, it was like 79 bucks and it ran all the Android games. Not that there's like, you know, a ton of them or anything, but still, I, I don't know. I might be interested at less than a hundred bucks. Yeah. What the hell? But I'm telling you right now, if you're at full size iPad, oh hell, you know what? Even if you're at entry level iPad mini price range, 329, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. And Someone needs to be fired. Seriously. This is stupid. And whatever team brought this concept to market, thinking that there's some kind of a opportunity here for handheld gaming, they're stupid. And they don't deserve to have the job that they have. They need to be flipping burgers at McDonald's. I'm sorry. Not that there's anything wrong with McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Seriously, a handheld, an expensive handheld gaming system. Five-inch screen slapped on a PS3 controller. Really? Oh, yeah, but it's got a HDMI. You can plug it into your TV. Really? If you'd like to send uh, feedback, again, go to techfanpodcast.com. Click the button that says contact us. And uh, you'll do just that. We'll read your feedback here on the show. Obviously, um, I don't know what's coming up next. It could be Owen. Um, I'd love it if it's David, but obviously that may not happen for a while. Or it could happen on the very next episode. I don't know. Uh, when If David's not here for the next episode, I will uh, get an update from him and uh, let you guys know. And obviously, any uh, well wishes you want to send to David, uh, feel free to do so. You can use the contact form, and I'll make sure David sees each and every one of them. And I'm sure he would appreciate that. Um, obviously, I'm just really glad that it doesn't seem to be any permanent damage. And uh, thank goodness none of his children or his wife were hurt. That's, you know, at the end of the day, that's the only thing I really care about, that um, he's going to be okay and his family's going to be okay. And... uh because let's be honest, at the end of the day, it's, it's all we have. Uh, you have your health and you have your family. And everything else is replaceable. Your home, your gadgets, your job, your car, that's all replaceable. Um, but you can't replace your health, says the guy who was smoking a few minutes ago. Uh, and you can't, well, I guess you could replace your family, but, you know, that's a whole different topic. Um I'm just really happy my friend is okay. And uh, just want him to know uh, that I'm uh, thinking about you all the time, buddy. And uh, anything you need, you let me know. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you need money, I I could probably help you out some. Um, you need a babysitter? Well, I can't really help you out there either. Unless you want to ship them over here to the United States, I'd, I'd be happy to watch them then. Well, my wife would probably be happy to watch them. I've got to work. Uh, and that's like 200 miles away from home, so I really can't help you there. But anything else I can do, can't think of anything else I could do. But if you think, if you can think of anything else that I could do, I'm there. Well, yeah, I can't take off work. I mean, you know, and uh, it's you know holidays kind of tap me out. But you know, anything else you can think I can. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.